the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. The foolish person in Isaiah's day was esteemed in Judah. The miser, hear the word, it means scoundrel. No, the scoundrel was honored in Isaiah's day. So what Isaiah is saying here is, you know, things in the kingdom age aren't going to be like they are now. You know, the scoundrels aren't going to get ahead. They're not going to be honored. They're not going to be esteemed the way that they are now. You've seen it before. The bad guy wins. The one who cheats and lies is praised. Or as the book of Isaiah puts it, the scoundrel is esteemed. Pastor Dan will be telling you today that this isn't a new phenomenon. This is what was happening in Isaiah's time, too. But he'll also share that one day, good is going to triumph. Jesus is going to return, and those who have been glorified for their evil acts will face the consequences of their actions. They'll discover why Jesus is the better choice, the rock that all should be clinging to. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 32, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Verse 5, the foolish person will no longer be called generous, nor the miser said to be bountiful. Again, he's talking about the kingdom age ultimately, but while Isaiah writes this, as he writes this, the foolish person, meaning the ungodly person, the person who who lives as if there is no God and there's no accountability for the way that you live your life. The foolish person in Isaiah's day was esteemed in Judah. The miser, hear the word, it means scoundrel. You know, the scoundrel was honored in Isaiah's day. And so what Isaiah is saying here is, you know, things in the kingdom age aren't going to be like they are now. You know, the scoundrels aren't going to get ahead. They're not going to be honored. They're not going to be esteemed the way that they are now. The foolish people are not going to be esteemed the way that they are now. Uh, Verse 6, For the foolish person will speak foolishness, and his heart will work iniquity, to practice ungodliness, to utter error against the Lord, to keep the hungry unsatisfied, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. Verse 7, And the schemes of the schemer are evil. He devises wicked plans to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speaks justice. But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. He's saying here, during the kingdom age, you know, the generous person will be honored. 
for his generosity. Now, as Isaiah was writing this, you know, the, the foolish person is honored, he's esteemed, the ungodly are esteemed, the wicked are esteemed. Remember back in chapter 5, Isaiah said that people are calling good evil and evil good in his day. Everything's flipped in Isaiah's day, much like it is today. Where, where what is evil in God's sight is called good and right. And what is good in God's sight is called evil by the society, by the culture of Isaiah's day. And what Isaiah is saying here in verses 6 through 8 is, is God, when, when he's ruling, all of that's going to be flipped. All of that's going to be reversed. And all of that that is wrong, he's going to make it right in his kingdom. The foolish and the wicked will be punished, and the generous will be honored. It will be as it should be in the kingdom age. Now, beginning in verse 9, Isaiah addresses the women of Judah in his day. So he's no longer looking ahead to the kingdom age. Now he's back to his present day, and he's addressing the women living in Judah, living in Jerusalem in his own time. And he speaks to the women because the women were, were kind of a barometer of where the country was uh, morally. And I think in a lot of ways today, women in, in the society tend to be more of a barometer of where a country is morally because it's the women who, you know, they're, they're the ones that are raising the children or concerned about the kids and the safety and the security and the welfare of the family, a lot of times more than the dad. Sometimes the dad's not even in the picture. And that, that responsibility and that burden falls on the mom. And so the mom, the women, are more concerned about, you know, the morality and where the country is going. And so, so it was back then. And I think, again, a lot of ways today, it still is that way. There's still kind of the moral compass and you can tell kind of where the nation is morally by, by the women uh, and where they are morally. He says to the women of Judah, Rise up, you women, who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. In a year and some days, so just a little over a year, you will be troubled, you complacent women, for the vintage will fail. The crops are going to fail. The gathering will not come. There's not going to be a harvest. Again, this is an agrarian society. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Be troubled, you complacent ones. Strip yourselves, make yourselves bare, and gird yourselves with sackcloth on your waists. People shall mourn upon their breasts for the pleasant fields for the fruitful vine. Here what Isaiah is saying is that judgment is coming upon the nation in just a little over a year. Everything's going to collapse. Everything's going to fail. And the women who should be, who typically are the most concerned about these things, they're complacent. They're at ease. They're living as if, you know, nothing bad is on the horizon for the nation. He says they, they should be mourning, they should be trembling, they should be lamenting, they, they, they should be uh, you know, wearing sackcloth, which was a garment of mourning. But instead they're at ease, they're, they're living for, for pleasure. 
and comfort and giving no thought to what is impending upon the nation. Uh, It's very similar in the New Testament, Luke 17, when Jesus talked about his return to the earth to judge the earth. And he says in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Jesus believed in Noah. He believed the flood as a true story. Until the day that that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, Jesus believed the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the destruction of those cities. As it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. When Jesus Christ comes, the the people on the earth will will just be living life as normal, business as usual. They'll they'll live complacent lives. They're not not expecting judgment to come. You know, they're going to be eating and drinking, you know, getting married, making plans for the future as if judgment was never going to come upon them and they're going to be surprised by it. And here Isaiah is warning the women in particular of Judah that, hey, judgment is coming. Everything's going to fail in a little over a year. You guys are are just living life business as usual when you should be trembling and, and mourning and lamenting of what's about to come down upon the nation. Look at verse 13. On the land of my people will come up thorns and briars. Yes, on all the happy homes in the joyous city. You know, the Assyrians are going to come in. Remember, the Assyrians are the big superpower. And they're going to devastate the land. And the land is going to be desolate. And it's going to be overgrown, you know, with thorns and briars. Verse 14, because the palaces will be forsaken, the bustling city will be deserted. The forts and towers will become lairs forever. A joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks. It's, just, it's all going to be devastated. It's just going to be a place for wild animals to graze. These once bustling cities, busy with activity and, and people, are going to be completely deserted. Verse 15 says, Until... Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. The wilderness is the desert. And the fruitful field is counted as a forest. The the land of Israel will remain like this, he says, until the Spirit of God is poured upon them from on high. Now this will be fulfilled ultimately during the tribulation period when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the Jewish people. And then at that time, their eyes are open and they see and they know. And, and that's, that's when everything will truly be restored uh, in Israel and not before them. 
Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. In Zechariah chapter 12, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, there the Lord says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Speaking of Jesus. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. God promises to pour out His Spirit upon Jerusalem, upon the inhabitants, and upon the house of David, and then they will look upon me, the Lord says, whom they pierce, speaking of Jesus. They'll recognize Jesus as their Messiah once the Spirit is poured out upon them. Uh, We see in Ezekiel uh, chapter 37, that's the chapter uh, where it describes the valley of dry bones. And the dry bones come back together and they take form again and they come back to life. And the Lord tells Ezekiel uh, what the meaning of that vision is that he has of the valley of dry bones. And he says to him there, the Lord speaking, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from the graves. And then he says, And I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. You know, the, the, the promise there is that he's going to bring them back together and bring them into their own land, which we've, we see that happening in our day. And then he says he will put his spirit in them. And that hasn't happened yet. And so we're somewhere in the middle of that prophecy where God is bringing the Jewish people back into their own land Israel exists as a nation again, but the Lord has not put His Spirit into them yet. So we're we're kind of in between verses 13 and verse 14 of Ezekiel 37, where they're, they're back in the land, but they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. They haven't recognized Jesus as their Messiah, but they will. And so back, back now in Isaiah 32, verse 15 until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and then the wilderness, the desert, will become a fruitful field. We see that happening in Israel. 
and the fruitful field is covered as a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. Verse 17, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. I love verse 17. It's a wonderful verse. Verse 17 says, Righteousness brings peace. Right living makes for a peaceful life. That's just true. And the effect of righteous living is quietness and assurance forever. What a great verse. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings. Now again, he's looking down to the kingdom age in secure dwellings and in a quiet resting place. Speaking of Israel. Though hail comes down on the forest and the city is brought low in humiliation, blessed are you who sow beside all waters, who send out freely the feet of the ox and the donkey. Again, this is looking ahead to the kingdom age. Then chapter 33 Chapter 33 is a warning against Assyria. Again, Assyria is the superpower of the world. They're threatening all of the nations there in the Middle East region. They're expanding aggressively their kingdom, their empire. And it says to Assyria, verse 1, Woe to you who plunder, though you have not been plundered, and you who deal treacherously, though they have not dealt treacherously with you. When you cease plundering... You will be plundered. When you make an end of dealing treacherously, they will deal treacherously with you. Uh, And and here the Lord says, you know, Assyria has plundered all the other nations in that region. They've dealt treacherously with all the nations they've conquered. And it seemed like Assyria was unstoppable. But the Lord says Assyria will be stopped. And the Lord will stop them. And the Lord will judge them. And they will be plundered, just like they plundered other nations. And they will be dealt with treacherously by others, just as they have done to other nations. God will deal with Assyria the same way Assyria has dealt with others. That's the principle. And you see the very same principle in the New Testament, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus talked about, judge not, lest you be judged. And he goes on to talk about the, you know, the way that you judge others, that's the way you will be judged. Elsewhere, he talks about forgiveness in the same way. You know, the way that we forgive others is the way that God will forgive us. And so if we are unwilling to forgive others, God will be unwilling to forgive us. But if we graciously forgive others, God will graciously forgive us. And, and we're commanded in the New Testament to forgive others for Christ's sake, because God, for Christ's sake, forgave us, right? Even though we didn't deserve it, God forgave us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see here that that God will deal with Assyria the same way Assyria has dealt with other nations, and, and, and much the same way in the New Testament, God deals with us the way that we treat others. In verse 2, we have, we have the prayer of the people of Judah. O Lord, be gracious to us. 
Look what it says. We have waited for you. Be their arm every morning. Our salvation also in the time of trouble. They, they asked God to be gracious to them. They, they, they said, we have waited for you. Uh, Judah was, was scheming and planning and trying to come up with all these ways to get them out of the, the situation they were in. And they went down to Egypt and they, they bought horses off of Egypt and they came up with this plan that they were going to trust in Egypt instead of trusting in the Lord. And the Lord all along was warning them, saying, it's not going to work. Egypt isn't going to save you. Your plan's going to fail. It's not going to work out, you know. Well, finally, we see now in chapter 33, now they're no longer trusting in Egypt. They're no longer trusting in their plans and their schemes to save them. They're, they're looking to the Lord, finally. And they even say, we have waited for you, <laughs> but not really. They're waiting for the Lord now. And they, they have arrived at the place where they're waiting on the Lord to save them. Much like we do, right? A lot of times we face a crisis, we face an emergency, and we start panicking and freaking out, and we try everything we can to fix the situation, and once everything fails, then okay, we'll wait on the Lord. We'll pray, and we'll wait for the Lord to save us. Well, that's, that's what Judah does. Now they're waiting on the Lord. He says, be their arm every morning. <laughs> We've waited for you. We're looking for, for your strong arm to save us. Well, they, they weren't two chapters ago, but they are now. They're waiting for the Lord's strong arm to save them. Verse 3 says, At the noise of the tumult, the people shall flee. When you lift yourself up, the nation shall be scattered. Their confidence is in the Lord now. And your plunder shall be gathered like the gathering of the caterpillar, as the running to and fro of locusts, he shall run up upon them. You know, God, they're looking to God to just wipe out the Assyrians like locusts wipe out a, a crop. You know, they just descend upon it and devour it, and it's gone. And in fact, God does wipe out the Assyrians, much like that. If you remember the story in 2 Kings chapter 19, uh, 185,000 Assyrian troops are camped outside the wall of Jerusalem, and God sends an angel into the camp at night and kills all 185,000 of them. And the people of Jerusalem wake up the next day, they look out over the wall, and there's just all these corpses laying out there. Uh, and so the Lord did save the people of Jerusalem, much like is described here, like just locusts descending upon them and destroying them. Me, how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse by verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life and ministry, from his virgin birth to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too. 
and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize 